Okay. We're going to get into our rapid fire segment now. So we'll Woo! give you a bunch of questions. Are you ready? I guess. Let me have some water. This is intense. <laughs> <laughs> he already builds, he builds it up. Like it's so okay. hard. <laughs> rapid fire segment. It's going to be so fast. Here we go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I'm your host, Chris Savage, and I am joined by the wonderful, very nice person <laughs> who is Sylvie Lubau. She's our producer. We do all these shows together. She lives in Brooklyn. She's always giving me snark. She's prepping me for the stuff so it sounds good. She's editing. She's doing all th- Sylvie, thank you for what you do. So that good was, to see you. That was nice. You're welcome. Yeah. It is nice to see you, too. <laughs> We're recording a lot of episodes. This is fun. I know. We really are. This we got is a awesome. lot of guests. We're getting a lot of guests. And I'm going to do a quick plug. Our guest today, Natasha Pierre, is a social media expert. She focuses on video marketing. Um, she is a creator. She's an educator. She's a podcaster. So super excited to have her with us on the show. We talk about what it takes to grow a social media following, how you do that, the beginning of her journey. And of course, you got a little bit heady about what does it take? What does it take to continue? What does it take to scale? What does it take to grow? <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> yep but I yep, want to yep. say, though, before we ask each other what's got each other talking too loud, we've been getting more guests suggested by the audience. So you out there listening, watching, you guys are good at suggesting guests. You're really good. We're loving it. So. Please, if you, there are people who you think would be a good fit for the show, email us at ttlpod at wist.com. And while I'm at it, don't forget to rate and review the show. That's how more people discover us. So rate us wherever you listen, wherever you watch. And uh, yeah, any other plugs you want to get in there, Sylvia, before we get going? You got all the plugs. We're okay, all plugged. Good. Well, it wouldn't be talking too loud if we didn't start <laughs> by saying, what's got us excited? What's got us thrilled? What's got us animated? Why, why, why am I already talking loud? Here, I think I should ask you first because okay. I don't want to ruin your momentum. Oh, please. What, what's got you talking too loud over there, Savage? You know, what's got me talking, you're not going to believe this. This I is, uh, so remember I got flooded out in July mm-hmm, 4th. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am, I am talking too loud because now just to almost how many months has it been? Four or five months later, the demo is done. The demo <laughs> is done. So all the floors have been removed. The walls have been removed. 800-pound iron radiators behind my walls have been removed. Asbestos has been abated. Mm, Um, That's an important Drains have been put in. Do I have a room I can use? No, I don't. Not yet. We're not not there. We're not there. But it's the journey. I feel this like relief. Like I feel, I can't tell you how much better I feel now that the demo is done. The The only thing left standing is my beautiful... 77 inch TV. They said, Do you want to take this off the wall? I said, No. Never. I'm nervous that it's going to get bent. I will be buried with that thing. I will get. And you know what has happened? The amount of dust that this TV has absorbed. Unbelievable. I don't think it's even going to work now. So, but that's, but I, but I'm excited. I am excited. (laughs) Even if it's ruined. (laughs) Fair. You're a man of principle. I'm a man of principle. Yeah. Uh, What about you? What's got you talking to a lot? Mine's mine's pretty simple and sort of seasonal, but I've been baking cookies. Oh, I've been baking cookies, and uh, I tried this. Maybe it's not fair to call this one a cookie. Uh It's really like three ingredients. You can zhuzh it up. Okay, what what are they? What what's in it? Super ripe bananas, which I hate eating as bananas, but love in this cookie. Um, Super ripe bananas, peanut butter, and oatmeal. Oh. And then I zhuzh with honey and chocolate chips. That sounds good. Maybe they sh- they should really be like oatmeal balls, but that uh, doesn't sound as good. That's bad branding. I've made cookies that are that have peanut butter as a very central element. It works. It's a very central element, and they're delightful. You know, what I've been having. I know I said oatmeal balls, but that's not right. No. So let me think. How about oatmeal cuties? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. why? <laughs> what just happened? 
Can this thinking, even go in? Yeah, Can this was, even go in the show? It could go in because, <laughs> let me explain. I was thinking about Tofuti cuties for some reason. <laughs> so, oatmeal cuties. So, we're here today to talk about social media, video marketing, and oatmeal cuties. Oatmeal cuties. Delicious. I actually want some. See? Yeah. That sounds incredible. I would, I would love one right now. But oatmeal cuties paired with... A drink that oh, I think someone matcha, might like. Matcha latte. Natasha Pierre, our guest, loves matcha latte. She's always talking about matcha. She is. We should go to the interview right after this break. Hi, I'm Frank, the ad guy. Frank, the ad guy. And it's that time again. Q4, the final countdown. A chance to toast your successes from last year and prep for the new one. Aside from the bubbly or sparkling non-alcoholic cider, the only other thing you'll need this holiday season is the new HubSpot Sales Hub. With an easy-to-use interface and a stacked deal management suite, Sales Hub supercharges your sales process so you can find, track, and close deals all in one platform. So this Q4, stop sticking to the same old sales strategies and start closing more deals with HubSpot Sales Hub. Make the switch at HubSpot.com sales. Looking to harness the power of video for your business? Whether you're hosting webinars, onboarding new customers, or creating a spiffy landing page, video is key to making an impact. And that's where Wistia comes in. With our complete video marketing platform, we help you create, host, and share videos that not only get views, they also get results. And the cherry on top? Wistia's in-depth analytics and handy email forms. They're the perfect tools for lead generation and understanding your audience. So if you're ready to level up your capital V video marketing strategy, head on over to wistia.com slash TTL. That's W-I-S-T-I-A dot com slash TTL. And don't forget to follow at Wistia on social media for more tips, tricks, and video treats. And now back to the podcast. Natasha, so good to have you on the show. We got to connect with you at Inbound back in September. We recorded a mini episode of Talking Too Loud, and now you're back for the real thing. So, of course, I've got to ask, what, what's got you talking too loud? Yes. So it is a TV show, and it is Goosebumps, um, which you can watch on Disney+. Plus. Oh. And we just binged it all, and it was just so good, so spooky, funny, hilarious. They nailed it. It's so good. <laughs> this is the first review I've gotten of Goosebumps, oh, really? and yes. I'm very excited. <laughs> I mean, I could picture the books. I could picture yes. a shelf full of Goosebumps Say books. cheese and die. Yeah. Do you remember that one? No. Uh, but <laughs> is it like, what is the age that it's designed for? Like, is it really spooky? Or like, is it going to spook out my kids? Like, what? who is going to be, what level of person is going to be spooked out by this? It's on Disney Plus, right? So you would assume it is suitable for children. I'm very sensitive to spook, and it was like, it was pretty spooky sometimes. Okay. Um, but lots of great relief. Like, it was never, like, full-on stress the entire time. But they did a really great job with the effects. So it was it was intense. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like at this point, all of these streaming services are trying so hard to do different things. I can't trust anything. I mean, Disney <laughs> Plus might have something really spooky on it. I, I, I'm ready, you know, for Saw to show up on there at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's kiddos approve. It's oh, kiddos approve, I would say. Okay, yeah. great. Um, well, I hope your day to day is not as spooky as that, but we're going to get into that now. So, Natasha, you're, you're a social media manager turned video marketing coach, you're an educator. Your speaker, your podcaster, your creator. Can you bring us into the journey of starting your own social media management business? Yes, absolutely. And it actually started in my college apartment. I was studying public relations at the time. So I was doing social media, I was doing marketing, and I had some really great internships. And one of my longtime internships that I was like crossing my fingers that was just going to be my full time job and make everything really easy after college randomly just let me go one day. And so I kind of had the panic I think all college students have at one time of like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life after I and graduate? And you were a senior? 
Were you a senior? Uh, yes, when this I was a senior. Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. So getting ready to graduate. <laughs> so you had this job and you're like, this will yes. be my job. But like you're already doing it. Yes, exactly. Um, Kind of as a junior account coordinator. So the goal was that it was going to become less of an internship and more as like a full-time role. Yeah. Um, And so that didn't really happen. And so I basically had sat down with um, a mentor of mine and I just threw out this idea and I was like, I think I want to do social media management and offer it as a business. What do you think? And she was like, I love it. Go for it. I'll actually give you your first client. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's happening now. It's happening now. (laughs) And so, so yeah, um, I think she had kind of inspired me. She was my first internship and she did digital marketing. She worked remotely. It was just her. And I'd never heard of that. I'd never been exposed to it, but she really wanted to encourage us. If you wanted to build and create your own thing, you could. And so at the time, I'd never even thought of entrepreneurship, but she fully supported me and kind of got the wheels turning. So I made my own logo. I built a website. I put together some packages, put them on Upwork. That's how I got all my first clients. And then I just graduated and continued doing it and have been doing it ever since. That's amazing. I mean, also just like the entrepreneurial encouragement of just like, oh, let's just do this right now. Like, let's not build a plan and wait for six months. And it's like, no, literally tomorrow you can start going. You're still a senior. That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, I I always say like, I don't know if I would have never became an entrepreneur if it wasn't for her. But I think having that exposure made it where I didn't really have anything to lose, right? In a lot of ways, I was so naive. I was already broke. So might as well just like build a business and continue being broke. (laughs) Yeah, it's very similar to our story of like, we started the year out of college. and I was like, we don't have any money. We yeah. already have a million roommates. Like it's fine to have continue to have a million roommates. <laughs> and if this goes poorly, it's not going to be that different than it is now. It's just going to have to get some other different job, which is interesting because, exactly. like, I feel like the the, li- the the lifestyle thing creeps in. Like you you make more money, you change your lifestyle. You make more money, you change your lifestyle, and then it's extremely hard to be entrepreneurial. It's hard to take right. those risks. But that yeah. stage is kind of like that's magical stage where you can take those risks. That's so awesome. Yeah, I had nothing to lose. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so you had to get in there. You had to figure it out. The space is still changing like really rapidly. Social media is changing really rapidly. If you are someone with no audience today, how should they start? Which platform would you start on? How would you think about that? If they were a client or if they were just like a random person who decided this is the moment, what do you think people should do today? How should they be entrepreneurial today to start something? Yeah, absolutely. And I think start with whatever you have access to, which is kind of what I did, right? I already knew and loved Instagram. And I basically just took the skill set, the experience, the knowledge I had as a user, as a consumer. And then I applied that to my own strategy. And I just played mad scientist. I threw so many different things at the wall. I tried everything. And so not only was I consuming what was maybe working, Um, for other people. But I also was just trying it myself and trialing it, especially for those first few clients that I had worked with that were across so many different types of industries. And so I think instead of putting the pressure on figuring out what's the platform, what's the strategy, what's the thing, is actually give yourself some wiggle room to think about where do you have access where do you already kind of use social media or really like a certain marketing platform or already like creating a certain type of content? And how can you then use that for your own brand and your goals and kind of just experiment and tweak from there? And like when someone's doing that, help me get like tactical. So let's say it's Instagram and you love consuming stuff on Instagram. You see other creators that you like on Instagram. Do you think that people should be just like, start posting daily, start comment. Like, do you think we should be intimidated? Do you think you should emulate people? What do you see working out there? I think the first thing I would do is I would like set the foundation. Like before we start posting, let's kind of set the foundation here. And when it comes to posting frequency, I know a lot of people say just post as many posts as you can and try to post multiple times a day. And I say post within your bandwidth because that's how you're actually going to get momentum and how you're actually going to be able to not just post for 30 days consistently, but actually be able to post for an entire year. So you actually can get a lot of data and insights and information. 
So if you are a side hustler or you're a busy parent or like really take inventory of your time, can you dedicate an hour a day to social media? Can you only dedicate 30 minutes a day? And really start with that and then build from there. And so I would figure out how often can you post and then decide on where you want to start posting on a platform like Instagram. The good thing is you have lots of options. The bad thing is you do got a lots of options. So you got to kind of make some decisions there, right? Um, I think in terms of growth, Reels is going to be the best place to get a lot of reach. So I would recommend starting with Reels and focusing all of your energy there. And then if you're going to add an extra layer on top of that, I definitely recommend stories. I know stories are not often recommended recommended as a growth platform. But when someone comes to your profile, they might want to binge some reels, but they actually want to connect with you as a brand. And stories are a really great vessel to do that in real time. And they're probably like the least produced part of Instagram. So it's an easy thing to add on top of your routine. So those would be the two places I would focus on your content. And then once you get that down, I would recommend adding on actually lives. Um, I think lives are one of the best ways to grow. And when I was really in my growth stage and focusing on growing my account, um, I went live with people that were in similar um, industries, similar backgrounds, similar audiences that would complement, but didn't directly do what I did. And we would just have conversations. We would just chat on these lives. And I would get hundreds of people following me just from being exposed to me from that person. Mm. So I think collaborative content can be really, really beneficial. I know you also can collaborate with reels and things, which I know can get a little fancy. But if you're creative, you could definitely do that as another collaborative route. But that would be really what I would focus on. Um, and when it comes to what to post is get clear on who you're posting to attract. What type of content are they looking for? What are the questions and struggles and thoughts and interests that they have? But then also think of your brand. What are you an expert at? What can you bring to the table? What offers are you selling? And kind of meet in the middle when you identify those two things to figure out your topic ideas. So that's kind of like a overview, getting a little bit more nitty gritty there. Awesome. And you started as a social media manager and you've turned more into a video marketing coach. Can you talk about like what are the common questions or projects that you're working on with clients? Like what do they need the most help with? Where is the market today? Yeah, I would say it's actually mindset. Uh, that is what like 80% of the things I coach wow. my clients on is that they'll come to me saying, okay, so my office doesn't look great and I need to get a new lighting and should I go film somewhere else and do I need a new phone? And and I'm like, no, you just need to create video content exactly as you are. And then they're like, wait, that brings up a lot of thoughts and feelings and we kind of have to get through that before we talk about the setup. So I find that mindset, I think the biggest thing that I see is perfectionism. And it comes from a really great point of people wanting to put their best foot forward when representing their brands. They're like, I want to make a good first impression. I want to make sales. I want to grow my account. I want to work with brands, right? And so you think I need to put out perfect content to get there. But what I mm -hmm. see is that the intention of trying to make perfect content actually leads to not taking action or kind of becoming like a robot and becoming so polished to the point where there's like no personality and you look and sound like everybody else. And so mindset is really what we work on a lot of because whether people came from corporate and think they have to be very overly professional in their content or if they were bullied as a kid, right? Like all of those things come up because when you're being visible in video content, I mean, you're literally staring right back at yourself and, and everything's on blast. Like you can't really hide from it. So mindset is often the biggest thing that we focus on because we can talk about sales and strategy and all these things. But if your mindset isn't there, it's going to make showing up so hard. Yeah, that's very interesting because I I have described that with what we've seen as um, fear of getting on camera, where like someone will be in meetings talking to you all the time, animated, excited. You're like, you're gonna be great on camera, like you're gonna be so good. <laughs> and then you're like, all right, now here's the camera. And they're like, oh, oh, you're like, oh, oh no, you're gonna capture what I'm saying? Like, you're gonna record my words? Like, what if I misspeak or what if I? It's like, well, first of all, you're that's human, and secondly, like you're already engaging as a person 
And it's this weird thing, right? Of like, there's something about capturing, speaking, talking, what you look like that like throws people off. And uh, I feel like it's like for a long time, actually, people would ask me about our market. And I would be like, well, that's the interesting thing in our market is that there's always people who are afraid to get on camera or think it's going to hurt their brand more than it's going to help. And I have seen a shift, definitely. Like COVID shifted things, everyone being remote, seeing themselves all the time has seen a shift. Um, but I still I find it very interesting that that's still exactly what you're seeing. And it's that, you know, attitude, mindset, like actually matter, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there's so much to compare yourself to now. Um, I think you can assume that everyone else got it figured out. Instagram invited everyone else to this class about how to be on a reel. And you just missed out. You just don't have something that everyone else has. But the reality is, I know when I started posting videos, I literally would like go into my closet. I'd get a button down shirt. I would like be very professional, (laughs) try not to move my... And that's just not who I am as a person. I love a good button down, obviously. But I, it's just not who I am as a personality, right? And eventually, I slowly but surely realized when someone was sitting down to work with me, they weren't expecting that person. They were getting exactly who I should be on my videos, but it was a muscle. I had to keep throwing video content at the wall until I started to care a little bit less, but it doesn't mean I never care, right? And so I think it's just accepting that it's very human and very normal, and it just shows that we care, but it's really important to challenge ourselves and push past that discomfort because on the other side of that is really the impact that your video content can have. Yeah, it's it's just so funny because it's like when you're starting, no one is going to see your stuff. So no one's going to see you. But it's that fear of like, it's like exactly. I mean, it's it comes up so often. It's pretty wild. Even I know people who I would say are like extremely talented, make great stuff, and they run into the same problem, this fear of Ugh, new platform. Huh? Like I'm starting with nothing. Like yeah. what am I gonna do? It's like, well, no one's gonna see the stuff at first. So that's the good news. Is like if the stuff sucks, like no one's gonna see it, and you'll figure out how to make it great. But that's like you got to do a hundred of something rather than doing one. Like I think about that a lot now. I don't know if you agree with that, but yeah, I look absolutely. at things and say you got to do a hundred. And if you do a hundred, you'll probably figure it out. But if you yeah. do ten, five, fifteen, like that's not enough. Was there a video that you made, Natasha, where you were like? I think I'm kind of getting it like this feels like me or this feels like sort of shine online, the podcast that you host. I don't think there was ever a moment or ever a shift. I think if anything, the gradual shift was that I just started to enjoy the process. And I think people started to realize that. And I think people started to feel less like I was shouting into the abyss, but that people were actually like, commenting and replying and sharing and DMing me that the piece of content helped them. So I think I started to see that like, wow, I that actually was a little bit better than the first time I did that. Or like, wow, I actually enjoyed the process a little bit better. Or like, wow, that actually helped someone. So even if I hated doing it, it's actually serving yeah. someone else. But I don't think there was ever a turn. I will say when IGTV came out, which like, rip IGTV doesn't exist anymore. Um, (laughs) I feel like I remember being so excited about IGTV. And I think the reason why is because I just really fell in love with video. Because at the time, I kind of was like more, I do Instagram, I do Instagram. But I just realized that I loved video as a storytelling tool, which to the person that was afraid to even get on video in the first point, I think that was definitely a turning point for me. Yeah, I love that because I was thinking back to when Talking Too Loud went from audio to video. I was absolutely the, I'm afraid to be on camera. I don't know what to do with my hands. This feels like it's just going to go badly, right? And at some point, you're right, there wasn't like a, there wasn't like this interview. But at some point, I started to enjoy the video aspect And I started to like relish in the fact that when like we would laugh, other people could actually see us laughing. So I, I, yeah, it's just, it's a cool, it's a cool observation. It's pretty funny how that works, isn't it? It's just like, I mean, 
I'm not going to say I was thinking of you, Sylvie, when I said <laughs> uh, that, but but there You're was a moment I was like, well, you, she was like, you want me to do what now? I know. <laughs> you want me to do what? What? What is that? Get be on camera? <laughs> <sighs> but it is this weird. It's like you get all this other information. I actually consume like a bunch of video podcasts. Yeah. And I find that that medium I really like because it's like, I don't necessarily need to watch it the whole time. Like often I'll be listening to it like through Spotify or YouTube premium. And then there's something that seems like it's funny. It's often comedy for me, but it seems like there's something that's like funny where I need to go see it. And I just swipe up and I see it and I'm watching it. And it's like, it's very nice to have that. Cause it's like these moments of deeper connection that you can kind of have in that you, you try to imagine, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's something about feeling like you're actually experiencing the content holistically. I think audio podcasts are a really great email. Like that's content I love to create and consume as well. But I, when people always ask like, why video? Is it really video? Like video really? And I think I just say it's because it's just the most dynamic type of content because you can see someone's inflection. You can see emotion. You can see movement. You can experience content in a way that other mediums only touch in one way really well. But I think that really what makes video so scary is what actually makes it so great in our strategy. Yeah, that's yeah, very well said. Yeah, we're wired to connect with people too, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're human beings are wired to like see other people. We want to be around the campfire, chatting, understanding, connecting, feeling like we know somebody and like, it's amazing that power when it starts to show up. Because as you're talking about when you first started to connect and see the social media stuff take off, it was making me think of when we first started using video ourselves. Like we're a video company at Wistia. We weren't. We were really not using it at first. You know, it's like <laughs> it was like a few screencasts here there. We were afraid to get on a camera, and we made some videos that were kind of all by accident. You know, it was like for literally to like show our friends and like family that like, Hey, we're a real company type of a deal. You know, that's like, that was the actual (laughs) intention. And then what happened is that people would, um, it was all qualitative feedback at first. It was like, Oh, that was really great. Or I love that or whatever. Or I'd go to some event and someone knew who I was. Actually, I'll never forget the first time where it's like Mm -hmm. someone came up to me and they're like, can I give you a hug? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what the hell is this? Um, and it was just like, they felt like thankful because they'd learned a lot of stuff from the content. And like that doesn't show up in the analytics at first, right? When it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I got 200 views and now I got 250. You don't think of that as like 250 human beings consuming, having a relationship, caring. And when you start to think about it that way, at least for me, a lot of the numbers, they all start to change. Like it was is not just 200. It's like you know, 200 people, 200 people's time, 200 people's emotions, 200 people's energy. But like when we just are obsessed with like the creators who have or who are already successful, it becomes very hard to imagine how you can get to that place. Definitely. And I another thing that I actually hear come up quite often is people have the thought of, well, no one's seeing my content. So what's the point? And I think, well, I'm like, is no one really? Or did like a hundred people see it, which is very much not no one. I often think sometimes people are looking outwards. They're like, they're looking for more without seeing what's right in front of them. And I think when that shift happens, you actually build community with the small audience that you do have, which is what will always help you grow bigger the best way to grow bigger at least yeah it's so simple but it's so hard right why is it so hard why is it so hard to do they're visual i mean literally the numbers are like visually on our profile right this many followers this many views this many shares i mean it's like of course the social media platforms are wanting us to see these metrics and chase them but I think that just shifting what we're actually looking at as success on social media can make showing up feel a lot more impactful than I think a lot of people actually experience right now. Yeah, it's funny. I had an interaction with someone last week who reached out to me. I hadn't talked to him in 10 years. And uh, he reached out. He's like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, I recommended this like online fitness thing I use called Future, which is, have you heard of this? I'm now, no. I can send you a referral code. <laughs> uh, 
but it's this like online coach who builds workouts for you. And it shows up on your phone and it tracks through Apple Watch. And I've been doing it for like almost four years at this point. It's been great. So I mentioned it on a show with Sylvie. And somehow, like we put the clip on LinkedIn or something. This guy saw it. I had no idea he still knew who I was or was paying attention. And he reached out to me last week. He's like, I need to let you know I signed up for Future like three (laughs) months ago. And I love it. It's so great. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And he's like, can we catch up? I'm like, sure. And we catch up. And he knew all these things and was paying attention to all this stuff. And I, it reminded me that like, even sometimes you put something up there, 250 people see it, quote, see it. There's like five to 10 reactions on it. And you're like, like, was that worth it? And then here's someone who like, I hadn't seen his face. I hadn't seen a like, I hadn't seen anything in like 10 years. And he is in the audience paying attention, caring, like, it was like such an incredible moment. Like, I don't like everything I look at. I, you know, I get in a mood where I'm like, I'll like some stuff and then I won't, you know what I mean? And it's like, we're talking about the people behind the numbers, but I, I kind of, I really feel like it's worth getting into because it is this thing that stops people from continuing, right? Like they do five posts, nothing quote takes off. And it's like, that's almost the, it's like the optimist would look at that and be like, no, you had. You you just communicate with a thousand people. Like, what else in your life have you done that? You know, in the last week, it's just kind yeah. of so interesting to me because it's like we know it, but you, to your point, you're looking at the numbers. It's hard to believe those are human beings like behind the number. Definitely, I can relate to that so much. Um, I was launching my program and I sent an email and I was like, if you have any questions, reply, let me know. And this person replied, very thoughtful bullet points, lots of questions. So I answered all the questions, uh, program (laughs) details, goals, all the things. And the last question was, what is your favorite brand of matcha? And I thought that that was such a fascinating question, which people are wondering, do you sell matcha? I don't sell matcha. (laughs) It is very much a part of my brand. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Maybe I should. Um, But it's a part of my brand. Matcha. It's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, that might, we just put it on the table. We're putting it on the table. You guys said it first. (laughs) (laughs) But I share my matcha almost every day. It's like a part of my brand. It's a part of how I connect with my community. It's not random. It's very intentional. I know a lot of my audience is entrepreneurs who love caffeine, who are having a morning beverage. So I choose to share that about myself. And it showed that this person who then became a client was one of my favorite clients that I've worked with, had all these questions about the sales process, but also had the thought of let me ask about something that's personal to her. Mm -hmm. And so I think that shows that they can work together And that sometimes I think people are focusing on a shorter term result when realizing that every piece of content is like building a house's foundation. It's building these little touch points. It's building these little inside jokes. And instead of thinking of, well, this whole piece of content I created, this one reel I created has to get me sales. Instead of thinking, I'm going to post another reel and then I'm going to post another one. And it's going to do different jobs in a way that it needs to for different types of people. So I think when you realize that it's very holistic and that every piece of content, whether it's connection or if it's really valuable in education, it's really adding all these touch points that whether Whether someone buys in one month of knowing your brand or literally years, it's all building up to that point. And so sometimes you just need to have a little bit of patience. And instead of thinking of it as patience, thinking of it as just like enjoying the journey instead of trying to be at the end of the destination. Yes. (laughs) Giving the snaps on that. Wow. You got Chris snapping. (laughs) No, I mean, you got the Chris snaps. You are speaking my language right now. (laughs) And I just like, it's so, it's so, it's, why is it so hard for people? Everyone's just so focused on short term that it's so hard to do these things that are so obvious. But it's like, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about the same, my exact experience of like, you know, we've been working hard over the last year. I started posting on LinkedIn. And like, you know, basically I'd never invested on LinkedIn. It's like slowly but surely. It's like, you know, oh, one post takes off. I'm like, oh my God, it gets this huge number of views. I'm like so <laughs> excited. And I got like 50 followers. And I'm like, yeah, oh, deflated. And then it goes over and over and over. And then eventually it's like all it's like planting all these seeds. And just exactly as you're saying, all these reels me out there, all these posts and all these things. 
that are connecting with people in different ways, it starts adding up. Yeah, the follower count starts growing, still very small. But the connections and the opportunities and all the things that are coming out of it is, is like building and building and building and building. So where every week there's some interesting thing that's coming through LinkedIn at this point. And I look at it as like, it's about the journey. I said the exact same thing. It's about the journey. And it's about getting like the inputs right, right? It's like, I need to figure out how to train my brain to think, oh, I should share this. Like this might actually be interesting or helpful to somebody. And then you start doing that. And then by the time the numbers are there, they don't matter as much in this interesting way. Like I've seen this with just Wistia writ large, right? Been doing this a long time. There's people who are just killed to get a partnership with. Just like at the beginning, I was like, I need this. Like I get this. (laughs) That this company's going to grow so fast. And then you don't get it. And over time, you just stay at it and grow. And then the same company comes up. You want to do a partnership? Like, sounds like a good idea. Like, we'll try it. But it's not make or break anymore. It's not like it's not sh- this like short term so cool. thing. Sounds good. That's no, not even playing yeah. cool. It's oh, just yeah, like we'll try cool. it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> I wasn't no, dreaming about like this. this idea of how the journey yeah. goes, like and enjoying it, is the the whole key, right? It's like the yeah. secret to this stuff of like being able to constantly get better, being able to constantly put more stuff out there. But it's very much the opposite of a lot of like growth advice. That Definitely. it's like. It's like, you know, growth hack your way as fast as possible to success. It is not like compound over a very long period of time, very thoughtfully, you know, in a way that you actually care about how you're doing it. And then by the time it's really going, you're like each individual thing doesn't matter that much, which is very counterintuitive. So I just find it so interesting because like it's, I don't know, this is not stuff that people usually are. This is the nitty gritty you can't read in a post, right? Like this is the thing you can only hear the emotions and all that stuff like in a podcast versus like I can't you can't put this in 250 characters and have someone like really get it. Yeah, definitely. And I think to your point, I was thinking, I mean, as a social media manager when I first started out, of course I felt like I had to get my clients those numbers and those results yeah. that people had. And I felt insecure if I didn't have those numbers, let alone if my clients didn't. Yeah. And I think the shift that really was helpful for me was really detaching myself from my content and like putting the pressure on every piece of content. I think I could be proud of it. I could be excited about what I shared, but not obsessing over everything that we create and do, which I feel like also ties back to what we were talking about before about the perfectionism, right? If I'm like, oh, well, this is just yeah. one video I'm posting and I know I'm going to post more, then who cares if my like, lighting was like, who cares about that type of thing? Because I know I'm continuing to show up. And so I think it's something that doesn't happen overnight. Like we, we've all gotten to this point in the conversation because we've had to challenge what actually we think oh we need to have viral views we need to get more followers we we've challenged those thoughts and we start to kind of be like actually i don't think that's what we want and we can kind of change our perspective there but it doesn't happen overnight because i'm guarantee you right now you can go on your reels tab or anywhere and if you're looking for advice on reels it's going to be how to go viral how to get this many followers how to get this many views how to blah 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 which everyone's sick of, right? So I think we can yep. start to rebuild what we want that type of success to, with that metric to be on social media for all Ooh. of us. Now I'm snapping. <laughs> I like that. Rebuild the metric. Rebuild, rebuild the that metric. success metric. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's translate this a little bit to like B2B. So um, what is your advice for... B2B creators for B2B businesses, like how should they think about video today and specifically social video? Like, what do you think they should, where should they be putting time and effort? Where should they try to compound their effort? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest things is sharing the what, why you answer. Um, Because I think when it comes to B2B, there's usually a lot of different solutions to the problem that you're solving. Um, But that's really where I think your content can share. Why is your process different? Why are you an expert in a very specific area? What makes your company or your team or your product 
just different or better or innovative for solving that problem. And I think that can be from kind of behind the scenes. It can be more explainer type content. But I think I found that is like the most impactful for B2B brands because you're really showing the value and expertise of what you do, but really highlighting what is usually the differentiating fact of like, but why you over the other solutions? What do you think about B2C, obviously, so many more products, so many more companies, we're discovering them through creators. B2B, not as many B2B creators today, for sure. Yeah. You know, there's not like as indiv- many people. Individual individuals. Individuals. Okay. Yeah. There's not as many people I feel like who are like out of college or in college, like, I'm going to be the yeah. B2B creator for this. Like, it's like not, doesn't happen in the same way. It's like, well, on the other side, it's like, I'm a creator, like any B2C product could sponsor me, endorse me, what have you. How do you think about this difference? Because, uh, and I'll give you my opinion. I'd love to know what you think. I guess that probably makes more sense than like burying the lead. I look at it and I'm <laughs> like, we are getting trained through social media that like, I have a relationship with Natasha. She's always showing me, you know, all these different parts of her life. If you recommend a matcha, I'm probably much more likely to actually try one than someone who doesn't talk about it, right? And like much, much, much more. I ask people where they hear about products. They're constantly telling me, it's, oh, this fitness influencer, it's this music person, it's this podcast person. It's, it's all these different specific things. That's like a changing our behavior. And then B2B, that's not really happening yet. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really big opportunity, but it's confusing about how to get there because where are all these B2B creators? You know? Yeah. And I, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Yeah, definitely. And I I think at the end of the day, creators bring on a layer of social proof that other elements just can't. Like you could have a matcha brand that has the best reviews, but a creator saying I use and love this matcha is just a different type of social proof. And so I think for B2B brands thinking of working with creators of really thinking of it in that way, because the important element of social proof, even for B2B brands, is that there has to be trust with the creator that's actually creating the content and their expertise, which I think is how it can tie into a B2B brand of like, oh, they're an expert in this industry, in this area, um, and they can back this brand which builds the social proof. So it's less of this, I use this and love this, but more of like, I back this because of this company's values or for what they've built or for whatever those elements are. I think that's really the play that creators can have. And I think in a lot of ways, a lot of creators are kind of, what we think of a creator now is more of like an influencer or a blogger and this like lifestyle element. But what I really see and predicting for creators is that they're going to come from more of a thought leadership or an educator or a speaker type of angle where it's more of these like really industry experts that are able to deeply recommend these brands. And so I think it's a different type of creator than maybe we're used to and accustomed to, which to your point, Mm -hmm. I think is such a really big opportunity for people that are established and already creating content for themselves and could easily do it for brands and partner, but also a whole new field in itself. Yeah, it's super exciting. It seems like there's going to be a ton of change and opportunity there. Yes. Okay. We're going to get into our rapid fire segment now. So we'll give you a bunch of questions. Are you ready? I guess I have some water. This is intense. <laughs> <laughs> he already builds he builds it up like it's so okay. hard. <laughs> rapid fire segment. It's going to be so fast. Here we go. <laughs> What is the best advice that someone has ever given you? Mm. If you know more than someone else, then you are an expert and you should share it. If you could trade places with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? I'm just going to say the first, because it's rapid fire. I'm going to say the first thing that came to my mind. I was like my my dog. That was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, that's the third time. (laughs) It's the third time we've had that. The third time that that has been suggested. Yes. Well, I'm sorry. It's just I'm just interested. No, it's My amazing. Yeah, so you want to just see talk. what their life is like? Yeah. I just want to know, yeah, know what it's like. Yeah. I just want to know what it's like. 
I just want to know. I'm very intrigued. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Next question. Name something you're low-key good at. Ooh. Ceramics. I started this summer. I was like exploring hobbies. And one of the things I wanted to do was take a ceramics course. And I very much went into it of like, I'm okay if I'm bad at this because I just want to do it for fun. But I think I'm like pretty decent at it. So I love the wheel. Specifically. Yeah. A couple of matcha lattes out of a homemade ceramic. Here we go. (laughs) What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this is embarrassing, but it has to be rapid fire. Let it out. Um, Promiscuous by Nelly Furtado and um, Perfect. Timberland. There you go. It's just such a good one because yeah. you can do it with someone else. It's just good. <laughs> That's the dream of karaoke right there. You know, get out there. <laughs> Have a collaborator. Get a yes. collaborator. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. What's your favorite meal of the day? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Breakfast because I get to have my matcha. There you go. Classic. Keeping it on brand. Love it. (laughs) Natasha, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been great. Where can people best connect with you? Yes. So on social media at Shine with Natasha and then over on the Shine Online podcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Amazing. Thanks so much, Natasha. Loved having you. We'll be back right after this break. Hey, guys, it's me, Chris Savage, co-founder and CEO of Wistia and host of your favorite podcast, Talking Too Loud. If you listen to the show, you know I can get pretty loud about all kinds of things. Workout gear, F1 racing, Wistia's latest product updates. But another thing that has me fired up these days is that Talking Too Loud is now part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, which is the audio destination for business professionals everywhere. So what can you expect from HPN? Tons of content designed to help you learn from industry experts, explore the world of marketing, and inspire creativity. If you're as excited as we are, be sure to listen to Talking Too Loud and more shows like us on the HubSpot Podcast Network at HubSpot.com slash Podcast Network. Did you see what happened in that interview when I literally leaned in? Oh Did you my- notice that? The lean in moment, I was like, oh, shit is going. It's about it's, to go down. It's about to go down. Yeah. I, you, you went, hmm. Lean I just in. funny. It's, I mean, you know, people tell me that I can't hide the emotions on my face and I don't think I can. And it was just like, we're talking and we're getting into it. It's like, then this specific thing just resonates so deeply because I feel like it's so, everyone's so short term focused. Right, everyone's just trying to do the thing that's going to make the next week work, and it's like, no, there's this other, there's another approach, which is what all the people around you are doing. And I learned this again and again. It's just like being focused on the long term, finding a way to enjoy the journey, and getting the inputs of what you're doing right. And she said a lot of stuff in there, but one of the things she said that was really she's like, you know, I don't focus as much on like exactly how the reel looks because, like, is this going to be the one? I don't know. Yes, that was so that was so, so powerful. powerful. That yeah. was so powerful. It's and so like- simple. It's hard to really know what that means. Like, I'll give you an example. When we went to the offsite, I took a selfie with Brennan and I on the plane and put this selfie on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It was just like on our way to Austin, taking the company to the offsite. We'd already posted a video of us being like on our way to Austin. And this selfie nothing's prepared random people walking around we're both sitting on the aisle you know on opposite sides and it just like takes off and there's all these comments and tons of views and all this interaction and genuine conversation happening because this thing i'm like it was like such a lesson for me of how easy it is to overthink this stuff totally and then add video into the mix and you know how do you look on camera does it look good you know it's all these other elements that make it so hard to do something that is like it shouldn't be that hard it it should be simple but it seems impossible to start like that yeah i think the selfie example is also good because it ties into something else that natasha said specifically that like all these engagements whether it's video 
or a post, you know, a photo post or a blog article, they're all building toward, they're all part of the same foundation, like building this house, I think she had said. And so like the photo was great, but as you mentioned, you also shot a video about it. You also like did five other things kind of like recognizing the offsite. So if you know that you're going to do five things, just like we're going to the offsite, yeah, it alleviates some of the pressure that that like one of those five things has to be perfect. And it says now people are going to have five different opportunities to engage with you about this thing. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. And I really like talking about sort of like qualitative impact because I feel like people sleep on it. And when it comes to video, there is so much qualitative impact that's happening. Like, sure, there are likes and reshares and la la la, but there are those emails, right? There are those emails that you got or a a message that you got from a friend and the message that Natasha got from a future client. Like qualitative feedback matters, I guess, is all I'm trying to say. It matters. And it's interesting because like it matters at the beginning. You know, you send something to your friends and they're like, I like this or I don't like this or this part's confusing or whatever. You're getting qualitative feedback. Then you put it online. You might not get as much, you know, maybe you already have an audience, but let's assume you don't. There's some kind of interaction. Then what happens when you actually have a lot of people? Mm-hmm. People still then forget qualitative feedback. Mm-hmm. They just hone in on the quantitative because like, well, I, I moved the numbers 10%. Or I move the numbers 2%. Oh, God, this sucks. And the absolute might still be significant. Or there might be things in the qualitative that if you understand, it makes it much easier to move the quantitative numbers. And I find this all the time is like, it's like, you know, this is true also with like A-B testing. Like people want to A-B test stuff to answer things. But like to have statistical significance at A-B test, you often has, has to last a while. You have to have a huge audience that sees it. But if you go take something and you have 10 people user test it, you're probably going to figure out like what's actually working and what's not. Totally. And so you're right. It's just such a powerful thing. It's so easy not to do it. And it gets undervalued left and right. Okay. Well, look, that was a great episode. That was a great interview. And actually coming up very soon, we have a webinar with Natasha on November 30th called Creative Ways to Use Video to Increase Sales. So if you want more, Natasha, you want more details, you want more education, definitely check that out. And we'll put the link to it in our in our notes, not just our personal notes, but even in the show notes for all of you out there. So corny. So that's it. That's the show. Thanks so much. Um, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to it. It helps get the word out there. Get those five-star reviews, those four-star reviews. Anything below that, just email us your feedback. TTLpod <laughs> at Wiss.com. You don't need to give us a bad review. It'll be fine. Just email us at guest ideas. We'd love that. You can find Sylvia and I both on LinkedIn, posting basically daily, and on X, posting all, somewhat. Not as much. <laughs> a little bit here or there. A little judge. A little judge. All right. That's it. We'll see you soon. Don't forget to subscribe. Okay, bye. Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia. Hosted by Chris Savage. Produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.